God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Greg Backus, your host. Jesus Christ is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind, for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He is the way. He is the truth, and He is the life. Jesus Christ is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when He lived and walked among people, and He makes a difference today because He was raised from the dead and is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your Heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. Today we will hear some wonderful music, we'll read some of the Bible together regarding the integrity of God's Word, and our interview segment is with Taylor Overby, Taylor is a teacher of God's Word. He is an accomplished animator, artist, and author. And in mid-February, his newest book, The I Wants and the Gimmies, will be released. Let's start off with this song by Aaron Schaefer, Meteor. So many things unknown How far does the sky go? I felt so small Lost in confusion Lost in my own mind What is wrong and what is right Will I ever I felt so insecure like a meteor could fall out of the sky And in my whole life it wouldn't change a thing Cause we're all an accident on this planet just waiting for the Oh, right now I can find 
Today I'd like to look at the wonderful truth about God's Word having integrity. Integrity is defined as having the qualities of honesty, uprightness, reliable, trustworthy, strong, or stable. A structure such as a building or a bridge, well, that could be referred to as having structural integrity, meaning that it was safe and that it was a sound building. That building or bridge could withstand adversity by way of weather or natural disasters because of its integrity. Some people are referred to as having integrity, meaning that they're upright, they're honest, they say what they mean, and they mean what they say. Today, as we look at God's Word, we're going to see that the Bible has integrity and that it is truth and that it is always reliable and trustworthy. Let's begin in 2 Timothy, if you have your Bible handy, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. It says here, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Considering the opinion of many today, well, this is quite a remarkable scripture because here it says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God and that all of it is profitable. All of it from Genesis to Revelation. Not a word here, not a word there, not just the verses of the Bible that I might agree with or that my denomination may teach, but all Scripture, all of it is given by inspiration of God, and all of it is profitable. Over the years, many have said that the Bible is full of myths, religious tradition, or the philosophy of the time within which it was written. Some have even gone so far to say that the Bible is full of error, and it can't be trusted, and that men were the author of it. I recently looked at a Gallup poll on the Internet of Americans that was taken in the summer of 2014. Here are some of the results of that Gallup poll. 28% believe that the Bible is the actual Word of God, but with multiple interpretations possible. Another 28% say the Bible is the inspired Word of God, but it should not be taken literally. And then there was 18% of the respondents that say that the Bible is just an ancient book of fables, legends, history, and moral precepts written by men. Well, we don't fall into that category. We fall into the category of knowing that the Bible was authored by God, that the Bible is true, and it is the inspired Word of God, and at certain places it surely should be taken literally, and those places where not, it would be because of it being a figure of speech. Well, let's take a look at Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21, and let's see what the Word of God says of itself. For the prophecy, the Word of God, came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved or directed or inspired by the Holy Spirit. The word of God did not come by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Most people think of prophecy as the, the foretelling of events, telling of something that's going to happen in the future. Biblically, prophecy also can refer to those things which are declared or held forth. Here in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21, we see that the prophecy, all of it from Genesis to Revelation, which was foretold or declared, did not come by the will of man. In contrast, holy men of God spoke as they were instructed or moved by the Holy Spirit. In other words, Moses, David, Solomon, uh, those that wrote the four Gospels, or any other part of God's Word, didn't just sit down one day and say, well, now I'm going to write the Word of God. Let's see and then begin to write. No, they wrote as God directed. They wrote the words that God told them to write. They may have been the writer, but God is the author. The Bible did not come by philosophy or religious tradition 
or cultural myth. The book of Galatians chapter 1 gives us some tremendous insight here, verses 11 and 12. The Apostle Paul, as he's inspired by God to write how he received the word of God, he says here in verse 11, But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man. For I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but, in contrast, by the revelation from Jesus Christ. The gospel here that Paul is talking about, it's the word of God. He received it by revelation. God communicated to Paul what to write by revelation, and Paul wrote it down. It didn't come by his own will, but rather Paul was a holy man of God who wrote as he was directed by the Spirit of God. The Bible makes known God unto men. It's God's Word within which God reveals himself to you and I. Now we have a decision to make. Well, we can either believe what people say about God and his word, which would be nothing more than a man's opinion, a man's philosophy, or religious tradition, or we can go to God's word and we can let it speak for itself. Look at Psalm 12, verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. The Bible is made up of the words of God. Those words are pure words. When holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit, they were given pure words by God. Let's look at uh, Psalm 119, verse 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. God's word is a light and it's a lamp unto our feet. Have you ever gotten up in the middle of the night and there was no light to see where you were going and you stubbed your toe on the edge of the nightstand or or the edge of the dresser? It hurt, didn't it? I've done it before. You had no light. I had no light. I couldn't see where I was walking. Well, God's word is light for the heart of men and women. The light of God's word shows us how to live our life. Have you ever stubbed your life because of living in darkness? I have, and it doesn't feel very good either. There is a tremendous amount of darkness in this world today. The light of God's word dispels that darkness, and it enables you and I to live a life of peace and joy overflowing with God's grace and mercy. With the light of God's word, we can live above the circumstances and above the evil of the world. Psalm 119, verse 130. The entrance of thy words, the entrance of God's words, give light. It gives understanding unto the simple. God's word, that is the light that exposes the darkness of the traditions of men and the philosophies of our day and time. It's God's word that gives us understanding. Here in this verse, the word simple is referring here to those who really desire to know, those who are meek, those who are humble towards God. In the book of Numbers, chapter 23, verse 19, a tremendous truth stated here. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said, and shall he not do it? Or has he spoken, and shall he not make it good? The words of God, they are reliable and trustworthy, because God is reliable and trustworthy. God is not a man that he should lie. God does not misrepresent his intentions. He means what he says, and he says what he means. God has the ability and the resources to do what he says he can do. Psalm 119, let's look at verse 72 and verse 162. The law of thy mouth 
which is the word, is better unto me than thousands of gold and silver. Verse 162, I rejoice at thy word as one that finds great spoil. Why can we rejoice at God's word as one that finds great spoil? Why is God's word better to you and I than an abundance of gold and silver? Because God's word is the light that we need in order to live life the right way. It's a pure word. It's a word that gives us understanding. It's a word that gives us wisdom. It's a true word that will never fail because God is not a man that he should lie. Look at the Gospel of Matthew chapter 4. We'll read here verses 1 through 4. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and forty nights, he was afterward hungry. And when the tempter came to him, he said, If, if thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he, Jesus Christ, answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Jesus Christ stated that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Most people in this world, they just live by bread alone and the words of men. If a certain politician, TV personality, a clergyman, movie star, sports star, or some professional man speaks, people listen. Most men and women have placed the words of men above the pure word of God. Here in Matthew, we can look at Jesus Christ's example of how he lived and walked with God. It would do us well to take heed to what he says in Matthew 4. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. We are well within bounds to say that Jesus Christ knew what he was talking about. John chapter 17, verse 17, Jesus Christ speaks another wonderful truth. He says, Sanctify or set apart them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. God's word speaks of itself here in the Gospel of John as truth. Once again, you and I, we have a decision to make. Do we believe the words of men, which contradict God's word and say that the Bible is full of myths and tradition and really not relevant to our day and time? Or do we endeavor to not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God? Do we go to God's word, knowing that it was given to men by revelation from God, and that God is not a man, that he should lie? Or do we relegate God's word to being just another book with some good ideas in it? God's word is truth. Any less of an estimation of God's word on our part is nothing more than foolish. Every word of God is pure and it's true. We cannot pick one part here and dismiss another there. All of it, all scripture from Genesis to Revelation has been given by inspiration of God and it is profitable. God's word is not just an aid to devotion. It's not filled with religious tradition or philosophy. God's word came by the will of God. Holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, he is the living word. There are some men and women today that say we don't need the Bible because we've got the Spirit, and the Spirit will lead us. And then there's others today that say the Spirit doesn't lead us, as it did in the days of the apostles and the Old Testament saints. All we need today, they say sometimes, is just the Bible. Well, we need both. We need the written Word of God, because it's profitable for doctrine, how to believe rightly. It's profitable for reproof that shows us where we're not believing accurately 
and God's word is profitable for correction, to get us back on track, believing according to God's word and will. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. We receive a knowledge of God from his word. Grace and peace is multiplied unto us through a knowledge of God. How could we ever expect to receive grace and peace, let alone have it be multiplied unto us, if we deny his word and say it's not true? Continuing in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, According as God's divine power has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that has called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. We benefit from these exceeding great and precious promises when we recognize the integrity of God's word and elevate the word of God in our lives to its rightful position. To the end of that, we believe it and that we walk in love, live love, and live the word. God's word is to be a joy and rejoicing to our heart. It is the word of God that is true. It is the word of God that makes known unto us God's will. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 states, And God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. We know that God is not a man that he should lie. So we know with absolute assurance that his will is for all grace to abound towards us and that we have all sufficiency in all things so that we can abound unto every good work. Now this verse here in 2 Corinthians is in the context of being a cheerful giver, but nonetheless it's true. 3 John chapter 1, verse 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. We know that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So once again, we have absolute assurance that prosperity and health is God's will for each of us. God's word means what it says. It says what it means. God is not a man that he should lie. God's word is not made up of myths and philosophies of men. It is true. In order for you and I to appropriate in our lives the promises of God, we must recognize the integrity of God's word. If the pure word of God is not esteemed in its rightful position in our heart, we will not benefit from the promises of God's word. When we hold God's word in our heart, esteeming it above all else, living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, then we will be receiving the abundance of peace and joy that God has so freely promised us in his word. Let's look at a couple more verses here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, gifts is in italics in the King James Version, it would be better translated, now concerning spiritual matters, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant. God does not want you and I to be ignorant concerning spiritual matters. He wants us to know what's going on spiritually. God desires that we live with the greatness of his power in our lives. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19. My God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Is it according to your good works that he supplies? No, it's according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. When it comes to the great need 
in every man, woman, and child's life of eternal salvation, it is vitally important that we recognize the integrity of God's Word. If we miss it here because we believe a man's Word above God's Word, well, the consequences of unbelief and missing it here are far, far reaching all the way through eternity. Let's see what God's Word says about eternal life. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace are you saved through faith or believing, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Romans chapter 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but in contrast, the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is by the grace of God that we are saved. It is a gift of God. Eternal life is not of works, my works or your works, lest either of us should boast. If the confession of sin was how we got saved, well, then you or I could have a greater salvation than another because maybe we confessed more sins than another. Confession of sins is works. Eternal salvation is by the grace of God. Do you see how important it is that we recognize the integrity of God's Word? Your eternal salvation depends upon it. God is not a man that he should lie. His Word is a pure Word. His Word is truth. It is a light unto our path, not only here on earth, but through all eternity. So how do we receive the promise of eternal life? Romans chapter 10 Verses 9 and 10. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and all that is is to say, Jesus, you are Lord of my life, and shalt believe in your heart that God has raised Jesus from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's it. That's the truth. To receive eternal life, we believe that God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Jesus is the only one who has ever been raised from the dead and stayed alive. Now, I know Lazarus, he was raised from the dead by Jesus Christ, but Lazarus died later. Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead and he is seated at God's right hand in the heavenly places. He's the only one that's ever been raised from the dead. He's the only one that is seated at God's right hand today. Muhammad wasn't raised from the dead. Buddha wasn't raised from the dead. None of the millions of Hindu gods have been raised from the dead. No. Jesus Christ is the only one who has ever been raised from the dead. And he died for you so that you could have eternal life. If you reject the integrity and the accuracy of God's word here in Romans chapter 10, then you will not receive the benefit of this promise of eternal life. We can't just make up the rules to life as we go along, especially regarding the things of God. He has given us his word. It's our rule book for life so that we might live the way God designed life to be lived. There are many well-intentioned people that think they have eternal life because they give to the poor or they've confessed their sins at the altar or they've gone to church every Sunday their entire life or they stood on the front ground fighting for one social cause or another. All of that is works. Salvation is not of works. Salvation is of God's grace through the accomplished work of Jesus Christ. It is vitally important for us to understand and recognize that God's word came by revelation and that holy men of God spake as they were moved 
by the Holy Spirit. It's not a made-up word. It's not fiction. God's Word, the Bible, is in a class all by itself because God is not a man that he should lie. His words are pure words, and they are a light unto our path. God's Word has integrity. We can appropriate by believing the promises of God to our lives as we recognize the integrity of God's Word, as we believe God our Heavenly Father. So you thought you had to keep this up All the work that you do So we think that you're good And we can't believe it's not enough All the walls you build up Are just glass on the outside So let them fall down There's freedom waiting in the sound When you let your walls fall to the ground Our guest today is Taylor Overby. Taylor is a teacher of God's Word. He is an accomplished animator, artist, and author. He brings to life the Word of God through his animation and his artwork. His newest book, The I Wants and the Gimmies, that will be released in mid-February. I'd like to welcome Taylor Overby to the Solution Radio Show. Welcome, Taylor. 
Hey, thanks a lot, Greg. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to you and your audience. Oh, you're welcome. It's our pleasure to have you with us today. Can you tell us your testimony of how you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ? Sure, I'd be happy to. Uh, I was raised in a Methodist church in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, the church that I grew up in, it was kind of like being raised nothing. Uh, They didn't really teach a whole lot, but as a child, I went to Sunday school there, and I did hear about the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he, his being my Lord, and I believe I was saved when I was, oh, six or seven years old. And as I got older, I got disillusioned with the church and stopped going. And like many people in my generation, I experimented with uh, a lot of drugs and alcohol and things like that, and got disillusioned with that pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and started really seeking to find out more about life and what life is all about, and uh, pretty soon I started going to a Bible study when I was in college in Cleveland, and it was there I started really to delve into the Word of God and really learn more about who Jesus Christ is and who He is to me and who I am to Him. Mm-hmm. Well, that's wonderful, and uh, here you are today making God's Word known through your talent of uh, animation and uh, illustrating and so forth. Now, you are an accomplished animator. I've seen your stuff, uh, illustrator, as well as an artist. Uh, When did you first realize that you had a talent in that area? Well, like many people, uh, I was really drawn to it, no pun intended. I've always been compelled to draw and paint. It's something I really love. And there are many people that are in the same boat, and I think a lot of people wonder, do I have the talent? And, or they say, I don't have the talent. But to me, it's a question of, are you drawn to it? Do you really like doing it? Mm-hmm. Because I don't believe that God would give you the, the ability and then not be able to do it. And I kind of compare it to working on a car. I can change spark plugs if I have to. I can change oil. But there, it's not something I'm really drawn to. Like, I don't think in the morning, man, I just can't wait to go out and work on my car. Right. But I know there are people that are like that. They think, man, I can't wait to go out and work on a car. But to me, it's I can't wait to get up and, and uh, do artwork. It's something I really love to do and to write. And to me, that's been the, the real secret is finding out what I'm drawn to. And that's something I would encourage other people to do is think about what it is that you're drawn to. Mm-hmm. And that's really your passion in life and what you really enjoy and uh, the talent or gift that God's given you in that area which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Is there an artist or a teacher that was an encourager to you and had an influence in your style? You know, when I was in high school, and it was like on the tail end of my drug experience, and I was kind of a ne'er-do-well, not trying hard, just barely getting by, and my art teacher in high school, his name was Bob McClinn, and Bob threw down a challenge to me that I'll never forget. He thought I had more in me than I was producing. And he said to me, all these cartoons, why don't you try to do some artwork? And that challenge really woke me up, and I started painting and drawing and really pushing myself and eventually went to art school after I got out of high school. Well, that's great to have a mentor like that or somebody that challenges you and encourages you to to give your all and Can you tell us of a time when you knew that God was working in you as you developed or worked on a project? I've been working on some different stories lately. And what I try to do is prayerfully approach different projects, like I ask God to help me. Uh, That's something that I really have tried to make a habit out of, is to ask for his help, because I know that that God's working in me. Uh, He never stops. The question is, am I going to allow it? And so that's what I've been really endeavoring to do more and more is just to let go and let God and to to acknowledge Him before I start a project and to say, teach me how to do this, help me with this. And uh, there's a story I wrote recently, actually I got started on it, it's called The Girl with the Rainbow Colored Hair. Mm. And it's just kind of flowed, but then I got stuck. And after I walked my daughter to school, I have about a little more than half a mile walk home, 
And on the way home, I was just praying and thinking about some things uh, about the story, and it just started to flow. Some of the, the ideas just kept flowing, like bubbling up in me. And when I came home, I sat down and wrote the whole thing in the, in the morning. That's really good, the way that God works within and inspires you and gives you the direction in that area. Yeah, and I don't want to think, like, I don't need his help because I know how to do this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And sometimes that can happen where we sort of fall back because we've done something for so long. Uh, we think we can accomplish it ourselves, but how much more of a blessing it is to people and inspiring it is to people when we rely on God and go the way that he leads or the direction that he works in our heart. Yeah, because there's the, the artistic ego that can really get in there and think, hey, I don't need anybody's help. I got this. Mm-hmm. That's, to me, been the, the biggest thing is to learn humility and just to keep, keep my... There's a dog. Yeah, that's all right. To continue to be humble and mm-hmm. to know that, that God knows all the answers. Right. Well, now you have a new book that's going to be released in mid-February, and it's titled The I Wants and the Gimmies. Can you tell us a little bit about that story? Yeah, this is a story I wrote for my daughter when she was three or four. And when I was little, my dad used to call my sister in the grab and snatch. Uh, that was his nickname for us. <laughs> and uh, So when my, my daughter was born, I thought I wanted to really teach her about how to share and to give. And I understood that children really up until the age of five, are pretty self-focused. Mm-hmm. And from five on is when they really learn to see outside of themselves and to give and to share and to be other-minded. And so I wanted to start introducing those ideas to her when, uh, when she was young. And so I, I wrote this story, The I Once and the Gimmies, for her. And then when I was in the master's program, at Kendall College of Art and Design, I took a class called Children's Book Illustration. Mm. And I thought that would be the perfect time to work with an instructor and be able to develop the characters and the story fully. And she encouraged me to have it published. Well, so that was kind of one of those, uh, definitely a God thing, because I had sent it out to a number of publishers, and they they all either say, wait six months before you're going to hear from us, uh, don't call, don't don't bug us. We'll call you if we're interested. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't hear back from anybody. But then last summer, I was teaching a class at the Urban Institute for Contemporary Art in Grand Rapids, and I had a young lady who was my assistant. And one day I said, hey, Hannah, can I show you these drawings I'm working on from a, for a children's book? And she said, sure, I'd like to see them. So I showed her some of the drawings, and she says to me, you know, I bet my mom would like to see this. She's a book publisher, and they're looking for children's books, book authors. So if you send this to her, she'll get back to you in three days. And I thought, right, yeah. like that's going to happen. <laughs> right. Uh, but she gave me her mom's email address, and I sent some samples to her along with the, the story. And sure enough, and in less than three days, I heard back from her. She said she was interested in, in publishing it. That's tremendous. And so... Uh, one thing led to another, and now it's coming out in a few weeks. That is really a quick turnaround. That's really, really good. That's yeah. A God appointment there, for sure. With the with that book, The I Wants and the Gimmies, did you do all of the illustration as well as the writing of the book? Yeah, I really like to, to do that, to be able to marry the words and the pictures. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've heard it said that when you do that, that the offspring is a whole different way of communicating. Well, yesterday I watched the animation that you have on YouTube, the Bible and the ABC's video, and I noticed it's got over 800,000 views, and it's really a inspiring and wonderful way for a child to learn the ABC's with godly words. With that many views, and you have several other videos on YouTube as well, uh, what type of feedback have you received from those that have utilized those videos to teach their children? It's been generally good. Of course, you know, every now and then you get some uh, some wag who has some nasty comment, but that's to be expected. Mm-hmm. But generally they're good. People really like a fun way of teaching their kids the Bible because 
children especially, I think maybe everybody doesn't really like to be preached at, but children especially like to have things be fun and entertaining. And when you can put the Bible, uh, kind of like the McGuffey Reader, where they had the ABCs had all the, like A is for Adam, B is for Bible, things mm-hmm. like that. And you put it in a way where it it's a fun way of learning it, and kids just glom onto it. I even had a, a girl who's a Muslim from some Middle Eastern country who wrote me, and she asked if she could use it to show to her class because they were doing a comparative religion class. And I said, sure, have at it. They figure that may be the only time that they hear something about Jesus Christ from a Christian. That, that's a tremendous response. That's wonderful to have that. You really probably won't know the impact of the Word of God through the videos you've done and so forth until the return of Jesus Christ when you meet somebody that says, hey, I learned about Jesus Christ through something you wrote or something you illustrated or a song that you had put together. Yeah, and that's really the beauty of YouTube is it makes the world your audience. Now, in your YouTube videos, as well as your writings and your your artist work, the paintings that you've done and so forth, you communicate God's Word. And in light of that, I'm curious to know what is your favorite Scripture verse and why? Well, I think my favorite part of the Bible would have to be the church epistles, because those are not just to me and the believers, but they're for us and about us. And it really helps me keep my head screwed on the right threads to know about uh, what Jesus Christ accomplished for me as a believer. And the church epistles being, what, Romans through Thessalonians specifically, or? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Those, you know, I, I love reading the Bible in general, mm-hmm. and I love listening to teachings on the Bible and reading books that people have written. But to me, just sitting down and reading the church epistles and really not even for, like, trying to read a whole church epistle in one sitting, but just sitting down and reading, and when a verse catches my, my mind, uh, you know, catches my attention, I like to sit down and mull it over and just think about it and dwell on it, mm-hmm. kind of like God told to Joshua about to meditate on his word day and night. That's what I like to do, is just sit and think about it and mull it over and what it means to me, Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just to meditate that way, I find it very wonderful to do that. Well, in, in closing, Taylor, is there something on your heart today that you'd like to share with our listeners that would encourage them in the things of God? Uh, yeah, I think when we're trying to pursue something like the arts, uh, success in the arts is, <laughs> it seems pretty elusive. There's maybe 5% of all the artists in the world that will ever be considered superstar. And so what I have been doing, and I would encourage others to do, is to find that little niche that you fit into. What's your real passion? What do you really love to do? And to go for that, because that's where you're going to find that 5% success. Rather than trying to do something that... uh, like you do just because you think you should, or you're doing it because you think, if I do this, I'll be a success. I'd say no, just really find what you're really very passionate about, ask God for his help, and to be more of a Mary than a Martha. Mm -hmm. Because if you remember that time when Jesus was at the house of Mary and Martha, and uh, Mary sat at his feet listening to what he said, and Martha was busy fixing dinner, which is not a bad thing. I'm sure Jesus was hungry, and maybe Martha was hungry, and they were going to eat dinner, so somebody had to fix it. Well, Martha was uh, was frustrated that she was the only one helping, or the only one working. So she says to Jesus, don't you care? <laughs> right. And when we get so involved in the work that we're doing, whether we're pursuing a particular career, or we find that success in the arts that we're in, whether we're a musician or an actor or a dancer or a painter or whatever, and we find that success is elusive, and we tend to look at God and say, God, don't you care? Don't you really want me to succeed? And the thing is, is yeah, of course God cares. He cared so much, he sent Jesus Christ to be our Savior, to be our substitute on the cross. 
Yes, he cares. But the thing is, is if we tend to forget that, then we're going to slip over into the Martha mode. And so what I'd suggest is that people stay in the Mary mode Mm -hmm. and sit at Jesus' feet, so to speak. Listen to the Word, soak it up, and then what I found is that when I do that personally, then things just flow out of me. Because of course God wants us to be a success. Of course He does. He says that in His Word in 3 John 2. Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So how does your soul prosper? One way I can guarantee it's going to prosper is if you soak up God's Word and fill your mind with it and your heart and soul with it, meditate on it, and drink it in, and then these things are just going to flow out of us. It's going to be a a graceful state rather than a struggle. Well, those are some wonderful words of wisdom. Thank you. Uh, what would be the best way for our listeners to get a hold of you and to either view your work or to purchase your book coming out? Well, I have a way for your listeners to get a free book. Oh, wow, excellent. Okay, so if they will, I'm going to get the question in a minute here, but if they can answer this question, they'll get a free book. But what they'll do is they'll write to info at, Chris, at crimsondragonpublishing.com. That's all one word, all lowercase. Info at crimsondragonpublishing.com. And the first person to write them will get a free book if they know the answer to what was the nickname that my dad gave me and my sister. Excellent. I will... uh, So that they'll get a free book. If they don't don't know the answer and they still want to get a book, if they go look at Mm -hmm. crimsondragonpublishing.com, they'll find out how to get the book. And also, it will be available through Barnes & Noble and Amazon and any place that fine books are sold. Great, great. I'll put that uh, email address up on our website as well. Okay. So, again, anybody who knows the answer to the nickname that my dad had for me and my sister will get a free book. Okay. The nickname that your dad had for you and your sister. Yes. Which you said right at the beginning of the interview. Uh-huh. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Well, I really appreciate your time today, Taylor, and for sharing your heart and life with us. Sure, Greg. I really appreciate it. Thank you for what you're doing there with your radio station. It's been a real blessing to me and my family. Well, thank you. God bless you. Bless you, Greg. I know a place where we can go to lay the troubles down eating your soul. I know a place where mercy flows. Take the stains, make you wider than
Thank you for joining us on the Solution Radio Show today, and thank you to Taylor Overby for sharing his heart and life with us. All of the Solution Radio Shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com, where you may re-listen at your convenience. There are also links there to the websites of our guests, musicians, and sponsors. Also on the website, there's a page for upcoming events, and I've got a couple of them here. Coming up Saturday evening, February 20th, there's going to be a music night with Aaron Schaefer at Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville. And we heard Aaron's song at the beginning of the show, the song called Meteor, from his CD, Glory to Glory. And then also coming up towards the end of February and early March, I have the privilege of teaching three evenings on the book of Thessalonians and the awesome hope that we have of the return of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's going to be on February 23rd, March 8th, and March 15th, and all three of those nights will take place at Grace Christian Fellowship in Naperville. If you'd like your event listed, you can send the information to info at thesolutionradioshow.com. A reminder that the Praise Line is open 24 hours a day where you may call in and give a testimony of God's working in your heart and life. The number for the Praise Line is 844-705-3410. We will play some of those testimonies in upcoming shows. Please continue to keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show. The Solution Radio Show is listener-supported both by your prayers and your financial giving. All donations are tax deductible. Thank you very much for your support. It is greatly appreciated. Our mailing address, The Solution Radio Show, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. There is also a donation link available on our website. Thank you for listening today. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are God's very best.